In last week's parsha on Kisisa, we already introduced to a very fascinating personality in the Torah, and that is B'Tzalel. HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Meshach Rabbeinu in last week's parsha, Re'e Karasi B'Shem, see that I have designated by name, I have called by name B'Tzalel ben Uri ben Chor Lamata Yehuda, V'Amalei Yisai Ruach Alekim, I will fill him with Ruach Alekim, Bechachmo, Besvuno, Vedas, Vachamalacha, with all types of knowledge and all types of wisdom and intuition and the skills to build great, great Kalim. Lachashev, Machshavais, Lasais, Bazav, Uvakesav, Anachashes, to be able to make all types of calculations and sophisticated uh, equipment in order to prepare all of the necessary equipment and tools and such that are going to be needed to build this magnificent edifice called the Mishkan. And in this week's parasha as well, Moshe tells Klal Yisrael, Ru'u kara Hashem b'shem b'tzalel ben Uri ben Chor l'mate Yehuda. See that Akrish Baruch Hu has chosen and called by name b'tzalel and the same exact repetition and really the whole parsha is very repetitious of all of the various kalim that Pitzal was charged to build. Cain also, they did it. Pitzal and his team did it and Klal Yisrael um, assisted. You know, if a person is about to enter the job market or a person is about to apply to a certain graduate school program, maybe to medical school. So there's an interview process before you get the job or before you get accepted. They have interviews that are basically designed to weed out people that are worthy of the job, people that could be good doctors, be good employees, and the employer has people that are designated in the firm or the schools have people within the institution to do nothing else but interview prospective applicants and there's all types of interesting questions that are asked of the applicants to make sure that the person can think on his toes and is uh, is able to think outside the box and isn't you know just doing it because this is what he was told to do, but rather he instinctively understands what he's getting into and how to and how to be able to navigate the job or the school. I asked a few of my Talmidim over the past Shabbos, last Shabbos when we had an alumni Shabbaton. So we were talking, and I asked them just as preparation for the shmuz. You know, tell me some interview questions that you experienced before you got your job. And they told me some that they had, some that are famous. Um, you know, the famous ones are, what are your weaknesses? You know, if you'd have to describe what your weakness is, tell me what your weakness is. The strengths, everybody is already going in there prepared to answer. But what's your weakness? And then, you know, so he said that some, I had a weakness prepared, you know, because I thought that that would be a question. And then he said, okay, not your, not that weakness, your, your second and third biggest weakness. They ask you different types of like intuitive questions or, you know, things that would make a person have to think outside the box. And I think the first time in history, at least of the Torah, that we find that there was an interview that was performed in order to really make sure that the person that was applying for the job was up to the task. The very first time that we find such an interview is when Moshe Rabbeinu gave Bitzalel an interview to be able to see whether or not he could actually do the job of building the Mishkan. I'm referring to a Gemara at the end of Mesechus Brachis, and Achnon Heim and Aleph. The Gemara says, "Amr of Shmuel by Nachmeni, Amr of Yainasan. 
Betzalel al Shem Chachmasai Nikra. The name Betzalel is a name which speaks to his Chachma. How? When Akadish Baruch Hu told Moshe Abeno Lech Emar LeBetzalel Lasais Mishkan Aron Vekelim, Moshe Abeno was told in Parshas Kisisa. But really, the Torah alludes to this even earlier in Parshas Truma. Moshe Rabbeinu was commanded by the Rabbi Yisham to go and tell B'Tzalel to build the Mishkan and the Kalim in that order. To first build the Mishkan, meaning make the Kroshim, make the Adonim, make the outskirts, the walls that surround or that make up the actual physical structure which is going to envelop what was the Avedah to take place inside of that Mishkan. And then after that, you're supposed to tell B'Tzalel to build the Arun, and then to build the Kalim. If you look in Parshish Truma, that's exactly the way it was spelled out. First, Moshe Rabbeinu was told about the, the, the Krushim and the Adonim, and then the Arun, and then after that, the other Kalim, the Naira, and the Mizbeach, and the Shulchan, etc. So Moshe Rabbeinu sat down with B'Tzalel, and he was going to say, you know, are you able to do this? This is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants you to do. He wants you to build a Mishkan Aron in Kalim. Can you do that? But Moshe Rabbeinu did something fascinating. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't do exactly the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu had told him to do it. But he inverted the order of what he was going to ask B'Tzalel to accomplish for Klal Yisrael. Cholach Moshe ve'amar lai asay arayn ve'kelem ve'mishkan. Moshe Rabbeinu sits down with B'tzalel on this interview and says, B'tzalel, here's your job. You're supposed to build the arayn and then the kelem and then the mishkan to surround those kelem. He completely inverted what the Rabbi Yisham's Ratzin was, what the Rabbi Yisham's Tzivoy was. It's not so simple to do that. Moshe Rabbeinu was interviewing and he felt that he had the leeway to be able to switch around the order of the Rabbeinu Shleilam. And that's the order, in fact, that we find in Parshish Kisisa. It says the order that way. It says first the Aaron and then the Kim and then the Mishkan. Because this is to show us, this is where Chazal is getting this fact that Moshe Rabbeinu switched around the order. So B'tzalel was very bright. And he says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, Min Oilam, the way of the world, Adam Bainet Bayis, V'yachakach Machnis L'Soichai First the person builds a home, and after he builds a home, then he, is, he puts inside of the home his Kalim. He doesn't buy a living room set and a dining room set and a bedroom set, you know, and keep it out on the street until he finishes building his house. First he builds a house, and then after that he orders all the furniture and brings it in. The and you're yet telling me, I say Aaron the Kalim Mishkan to first build the Aaron and the Kalim, that's the furniture. And then after that the Mishkan, that's the bias. Kalim Shani Oyster Lahechan Achnisim. The Kalim that I'm going to make, where am I going to put it? Where am I going to store those Kalim? I'm going to build first the beautiful Arid. I'm going to build the Menorah and the Shocha and the Mizbeach. And where am I going to house them? Wouldn't it make more sense if first I build the Mishkan, the outskirts of the, the Mishkan? meaning the Krushim, the walls of the Mishkan. And then after that, I take one at a time, the Aaron, the as I finish building it, I'll put it into the Mishkan. And then the Menorah, and then the Shulchan, and all of that goes in. But otherwise, where am I going to put it? That was B'Tzalel's answer to Meshach Abenu in this interview. 
And then he says, Maybe Moshe Rabbeinu, he says it so respectfully, maybe, Rebbe, this is how HaKadosh Baruch Hu perhaps commanded it to be done, to first make the Mishkan, and then the Aaron, and then the Kalim. Is that so? Amar Lai, Moshe Rabbeinu looks at him and says, Shema B'Tzel Kel Hayisa V'Yadata. Perhaps you were in the B'Tzel Kel, B'Tzalel. Maybe you were in the shade and the shadow of God that you knew such a thing. That's how B'Tzalel was called B'Tzalel because it was like sort of a nevuah that this is how B'Tzalel would react to Moshe Rabbeinu's question. Moshe Rabbeinu was deeply impressed by the response of B'Tzalel and says, you're hired, you have the job, you're a B'Tzel Kel, and you got it, it's your job. The obvious question is, what exactly did Moshe Rabbeinu want from Betzalel? Okay, you know, Betzalel was qualified, he has to be an artist, and he has to be able to make the camera. If he wants to, you know, if I was Moshe Rabbeinu, I'd say, listen, make me a little sample of something that you could do. You know, let's see you make like a little menorah or a little R, and let's see how, how, how geschick you are, how artistic you are. That's what I would do as a Fahar if I was asking Mitzal to build, to build me a Mishkan. What's he asking Mitzal, you know, orders of things, and Mitzal got the order right, even though he switched the order, and then he said, Shem Mitzal, Kela Yisa. It's a little difficult to understand what's going on over here between Moshe Adenu and Mitzal. What I'd like to suggest is as follows. We learned all the way at the beginning of the introduction to, to the building of the Mishkan, which really starts at Parshish Truma, that Akrishbarku says to Meisha Rabbeinu, that speak to Bnei Yisrael, the Yitkuli Truma. Take from me Truma, we're going to build a Mishkan, you've got to take from me Truma. And on the word Li, in that Pasuk, there's probably more commentary by the Achreinim than on any other Rashi in Chumash. Rashi just says simply, when it says, li truma, li lishmi. You should take it for me. HaKadosh Baruch wants it to be lishma. Which means that other things we know, you don't really have to do things lishma. It would be great if we could, but we have a, a rule, a golden rule in Shas. And it's brought several times throughout Shas. La Oilam Yasak Adam Bitaira over Mitzvah Afilu Shalishma. You should always be Isaac and Tyra Mitzvah, even Shalishma. It's good, you want to learn and you want to learn because you want people to think you're a masmid, to think that you're a from guy, you shuckle a lot in davening and you don't really mean it, but you you know, you hope to someday mean it. That's good. That's not fake. Don't say, Well, I'm such a hypocrite, I don't mean anything. It's good. You should always do things because sometimes either you're doing a you'll have a little lishma or or long term, you know, when you get to be a little bit older and more mature, what started out as a shalishma will actually end up being a lishma. So that's really the rule of thumb when it comes to Abaidas Hashem. All of a sudden, when it comes to building the Mishkan HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, there's one Hakpada that I have here that I don't necessarily have by other mitzvahs. And that is when you're building me a Mishkan, it has to be Lishma. Which means that every single person that's giving the Machzaz HaShekel and every single part of this construction and the building of the Mishkan and the Kalim have to be done Kluwe Lashem Shemayim. Only for me, no ulterior motives. Anything that might even resemble a little iota of me, ego, in the building of the Mishkan would hassle the whole Mishkan. The only way that the Shekhinah is going to be Shaira on this bias is going to be if a person and all of the parts that were invested into the Mishkan all the players involved in the building of the Mishkan, every machshavah was l'shem shamayim. 
The Vilna Gain once said that if a shul or a base medrash would be built by artisans that are kulay l'shem shamayim, and that every single little detail that went into the building of the shul or the base or, or the or the base medrash, they were all kulay l'shma, and the money was all tar v'kadosh, and the everything was done ala tar v'ala he says, people that daven in such a shul would never have anything other than perfect kavana. What you invest in a building, in, a, in an edifice of Kedusha, has to be L'shem Shamayim. By our shuls, unfortunately, it's apparently not always L'shem Shamayim. There's a lot of other, you know, Cheshvayin and we, we live with that. But when it comes to the base Hashem, the base Hashem, the Makkim HaMikdash, the Mishkan Hashem, that has to be Lilishmi, it has to be Kuli Lishma, there's no other, there can't be even a scintilla of, of person. It has to be all Lishem Shamayim. Here comes Bitzalel. Chazal tell us that Bitzalel was all of 13 years old when he built the Mishkan. If you imagine, a bar mitzvah bacher, 13 years old, charged with the responsibility to build the bias vakadish farfu, to build the most beautiful edifice in human history, with gold, with silver, with tchelas vardama, and the tapestries were exquisite. The, the, the krushim and the amudim and the vade hasholchan and the menaira, everything was perfect, everything had to fit. And the Zer and the Krubim and the Kapiris, everything was handmade to perfection. A 13 year old by Mitzvah is supposed to come in and have only Machshavis L'shem Shemayim. I mean, if you're going to tell me that Rabbi Aaron Leib Steinemann is going to build the Mishkan, I can understand that. Here's a, a Yid, you know, who's in his 90s. Who's cool Hashem Shemayim? Who's been learning Torah Lishma his whole life, and he's gonna everything is gonna be a bekdusha v'tara. I heard that the Belzer Rebbe, so when he built the his beautiful base medrash in Yerushalayim, you know it's a it's a uh, it's a landmark. It can be seen from so many places in Yerushalayim. It looks like a mini base amikdash. So I think the, there are certain stones in the Aaron the beautiful urn that was built there and I think he wanted to like personally take every stone and he like, I don't know, he brought every stone to his house and he davened over every stone he slept with every stone, I don't know, he did like all the kavanas, he wanted to make sure that every stone was L'shem Shemayim, so such a person, a yid who's mamish, you know holding in, in, in tremendous asagis, he could have a cheshven of that's cool L'shem Shemayim we have a bit salah, Meshach Rabbeinu is sitting down, you know, he's expecting who knows who to come into the door, and here's a 13-year-old bar mitzvah coming in, okay, now we're looking for Bitzalel, I'm Bitzalel, you're Bitzalel, you're the who the Rabbeinu Shalom called to build your Amalei Yisbechachlo, but when you're bar mitzvah says, yes, but I could do the job, he says, okay, fine, here's your Yisbechachlo, here's the way you're going to do the job, you're going to build First, you're going to build a an aron, and then you're going to build kalim. Then after that, you're going to house it in a structure called a mishkan. What was Moshe Rabbeinu's cheshbon here? Moshe Rabbeinu made a cheshbon that if there was any l'shelay l'shem shemayim, this would bring it out in Bitzalel. Bitzalel's eyes would light up because, ooh, that's great. You mean, I get to build an Aaron, I can do that. I get to build a Minaira, and I get to build a Shulchan, and a Mizbeach, and there's no place to put it yet. So what's going to be with it? It's going to be sitting out in the public square. They're going to make a big, you know, tumble about it. They're going to make a big convention, and people are going to be able to, you know, before it goes into the Mishkan, because the Mishkan isn't built yet, people are going to, ooh and ah, and give me a big Yasser Kayach, and, you know, Give me a you know pinch on my cheek and tell me it's an amazing job you did, Bitzal. It's beautiful. The last thing that an artist wants to do is make a beautiful masterpiece for nobody to see. 
And so Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to see the reaction of Bitzalel. You're going to build an Aaron and a and the Kalim, and then after that you're going to build a Mishkan, and then we're going to bring it into the Mishkan. But for a while, all these beautiful Kalim are going to be on display. Klai Yisrael are going to be mesmerized by you, Bitzalel. And Bitzalel didn't like this at all. Bitzalel says, Moshe Rabbeinu, Kalim, where am I going to put the Kalim in the Mishkan? I don't want that. I want to be Baina Abayas. First, I want to build the Mishkan. And then I'm going to make one Kali after another in my workshop. Or we're going to stay at, at, in the dark of night. I'm going to bring the Aran into the Kaidash HaKadoshim. And I'm going to bring the Minaira. And I'm going to bring all the Kalim in there. I don't want anyone necessarily to have to see it. I'm doing this for the Rabbeinu Shalom and the Rabbeinu Shalom alone. This is the Minagailam, and this is Mistama the way the Rabbi Shalom wants it. And when Moshe Rabbeinu saw that Pitzal was Kule Lushem Shamayim, he wasn't doing it for any artistic creativity, he wasn't doing it for fame and glory, he was doing it Rakhuman Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu said, Shema Pitzal, Kel Ayisa Viadata, clearly you're a a bacher who is Betzeltel. You are resting in the shadow of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, meaning that you are living a life which is cool, Hashem Shemayim. You're bringing all of your talents only for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's a beautiful thing, Betzeltel. And for that, you deserve the position of being the architect and the builder of the Mishkan Hashem. This is something which is Megaya, each and every one of us. You see, we all have our own unique gifts and talents that no one else has in the world. We all have our own Kalim. Some of us are very musical. It's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing to be able to to sing beautifully, to be able to, uh, to strum a guitar, to play the drums. That's an amazing gift that you have if you have such a gift. To be able to be poetic, to be able to have the ability to write really beautifully, to be athletic, to be very wise, to be smart, to be nice, to be able to dance well, to be able to be artistic, to build well. We all have something that we do really well. Those are our Kalim. And very often we're tempted to display these Kalim to the world at large. After all, we have Kalim, we have talents, we have skills, we have certain acumen that we want to use and bring to the world. But we have to realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us these talents. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us these tools as instruments for His Avaidah. And we have to take these kalim that we have that are God-given and find a place for them in the Mishkan Hashem. They are not meant for public display. They are not meant for our own self-aggrandizement, to be famous. That everybody knows about us in the world, that we're this and we're that. It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu's gift to us to use for Him. Lamanai Yisbarach. And we have to take those unique talents and find a way to use them for HaKadosh Baruch Hu and for Klal Yisrael. There's a pasuk in Megillus Rus. Rus, in her poverty, has to go to the fields and pick wheat together with the other Aniyim and together with the, the farmers that are working. And she happens upon the field of her her 
late husband's relative by the name of Bayaz. Bayaz was the Gadol the Gemara says. He was also a very wealthy man. He had a lot of real estate, a lot of property. And she went to his field. And Bayaz comes out one day and sees that she is there. And he notices that she's very tzniastic. And he realizes who she is. And he approaches her and he says the following to her. He says, I'm happy that you're here. Welcome to my field. Don't go to another field. Don't go to a foreign field. Don't leave here. And that's how you will. You'll basically be part of the chavra of my people that work in my field. You'll stay here. That's the traditional mikra. Zuck the medrash and rus when Bayah says, That's What does that mean? Another field. That's a euphemism. That's a, a, an allusion to don't worship other gods. Don't go to other foreign gods and worship them. Don't go there. Don't leave there. This is my God and I will beautify him. Those those are the tzaddikim. The medrash is a medrash plea. What's going on in this medrash? So I saw in the sefer called Ayel David, which is the sefer of Reb David Kohn, Zalgazunzayim. Reb David Kohn says, the following chat on this medrash. He says that when the Pasuk says, Al and the medrash says on it, what that means to say is that a lot of times we have talents. We have talents. We're very talented. And what we want to do is we want to express those talents to the world. But very often, because we have those talents, those talents take us away from the Rabbi Nishayla. Oftentimes, we have such talent that's pent up inside of us, waiting to get out, that we need like a huge stage for ourselves. And if we feel that Shabbos is standing in the way of, of my professional skills, or that being a Yid, or wearing a beard, or a yarmulke, that's going to be stifling my career and my talent. I'm going to go off the derrick. It happens very often. It happens all too often. I, I daven in a, um, in a shul, a local shul when I'm not in yeshiva, and there's a balabas in the shul, and sometimes I schmooze them a little bit by shalashudas, and he told me many, many times already over the years that when he was a yeshiva bacher, he was uh, he learned in a, in a yeshiva in, uh, in New York somewhere, and he had a boy in his class, and the boy's name was Ralph Lipschitz. He says, "Do you know who that is?" And by now, I know who it is because he told me the story many times already. He says, "That's Ralph Lauren." The famous maker of polo, you know, perhaps the largest, the largest um, clothing company in the world, it was a, uh, a yeshiva bacher. He learned Elam together with Ralph Lauren, with Ralph Lipschitz. How did that happen? How did it happen that a bacher learning Shnayimus and Metalis begins to move away from Yiddishkeit and? And be able to, to start a company like Polo. I don't know the whole story. That's the truth. But Pashtus, if I could maybe darshan him in his life, which I know nothing about, here is a, a boy, a young man, that was blessed with many talents. Obviously, he had talents. His design skills, his marketing genius, his business acumen, you need like a perfect storm of 
creativity and business sense in order to, to create a universal brand like he did. Agav, a, a Talmud of mine just came to me last week. He just came back from Eretz Yisrael. And he went to Chaim Kanievsky and he was wearing a, a polo shirt with a, with a horsey on it. And Reb Chaim looks at him and he says, you can't wear that shirt. He says, well, what's wrong with the shirt? He says, so, anyway, he said, or as Gabe said, he says, Reb Chaim is very upset when he sees those horses on shirts because you're not supposed to wear a behemoth tume on your shirt. A horse with behemoth tume, you don't wear, you know, a year doesn't walk around, you know, showing off a behemoth tume on his shirt. But here's a boy who had talent, he had dreams, he had a vision, he wanted to be great. And he felt like, I need to express myself. I can't, you know, Judaism is really nice, but it's stifling. And the Medrash says, I'll tell if you're talented, don't go to another field. Don't go outside of Yiddishkeit. Don't leave the fold because you have these talents. So what should I do? What do I do with those talents? I feel like stifled. I feel like, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a little box here. The God lays out there in these assets and measures. I'll shame Zekeli v'anbeyu. HaKadosh gave us with all of his mitzvahs, and really it's a meshachachma. He brings there of David Cohen at the end. He says that a friend of his, Reb Sheftel Newberg, I believe, from Ney Yisrael, he told him, he told him this part, and he told him it's a Meshachachma at the end of Parashat Five. If you look in the Meshachachma, it's Mamish, you know, he says it, Kimat the same. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us so many mitzvahs. Here, Berlam, Tayo, mitzvahs. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us so many things. You know why? Because we're, we'll be able to use our talents and our sense of style and creativity and design and genius within the framework of the Tayyad Mitzvahs. Use the talents that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you in the Makkah Mishkan. Don't go outside the Mishkan. Don't display your kalim in the public square. That's not what they were given to you for. They were given to you in order to the Makkah Shemayim, in order to use them for Tayyad and for Mitzvahs and Laman Yisrael. V'chaisid bafinim na'araisai tzadikim. This is the way tzaddikim have always lived their life. To be able to find what I have inside and then figure out a way that I could use it. Hashem. That's the derech of tzaddikim. I was just reading recently a story in a great biography about Rabbi Shlomo Freifeld, Rashiba Shayashev, one of the founders of, of Kirov in America. And he had this Falchuvi Yeshiva in Farakaway. Today it's a beautiful campus, a, you know, multi million dollar state of the art building. Back in the day, it was like in a little house in Farakaway. And one of his Talmidim was a Falchuvo, got married. And he got married to a girl who was a Balas Shuba. And she had a friend whose name was Bob Dylan. And Bob Dylan, for those of you who might not know, is today he's a, an old man, I think he's still singing. But he's a Yid and Bishaitai, which is in the 60s and the 70s, he was it. There was no one that came close to him as a, you know, maybe the Beatles, but like as a single, you know, solo singer, it was him. He was the face of the generation. He was the voice of the generation. His, the lyrics that he had were like depressing and rebellious and everything mixed in one just to, you know, to mirror the, the sentiments of that dar. It was the dar of Merida. The 60s and the 70s were, you know, very dangerous times to grow up in America because it was the times of hippies and, and, and Woodstock and all of the Maridas all, you know, going against society at large. 
rebelling against the system, rebelling against the establishment, and trying to change everything radically. And here was Bob Dylan, a Jewish boy with tremendous talent. So he was invited to the Shever Brachis in Yeshiva because he knew the Kawa. He, him and a friend were about to come to the Shever Brachis in Shayashi Yeshiva. Now, you can imagine, you know, uh, the excitement and the electricity in the air of Shayashi. First of all, this, you know, it wasn't like he was coming to Brisk. Shayashi was a Balchubi Yeshiva. So these were Balchubi. They knew who Bob Dylan was. And they all were probably at one point very big fans of Bob Dylan. And here he was coming into the yeshiva. It was big news. So the Shlomo Freifel gets up and speaks to the island before he comes, before the Shavu Brachas begin. And he says, I know that a lot of you may be excited for the guest that's coming to yeshiva. Nobody! is to go over to him and ask him for an autograph. Nobody is supposed to go over to him and and tell him how much, you know, I love your music and I'm a big fan and none of that. He says, this is a yeshiva. And yeshiva, we're mechabed, one person, and that's a Talmud Chacham. We're not machshed people that are using their talents in such ways. So he's coming into yeshiva, nobody, you could say hello, you could say shalom aleichem, but don't do any, anything that's even remotely giving him extra covet. So he came to Yeshiva and he was sitting there and he was soaking it in. And he enjoyed Rashiva's words and he enjoyed Rashmua Brazil on the guitar singing beautiful Nigunim. And there was something inside of him that was like attracted to this. And he made a meeting with Freifeld in his house. And he was talking to him for a while. And when he came out of Freifeld's house, there was a reporter waiting for him. And the reporter asked him, well, you know, what are you doing? What, how, you know, what's going on with you? They were scared you know, that he might become like an Uri Zohar or something. And he said, the world is so dark. But inside that house... It's so light. There's so much brightness inside that house. And he was drawn like a moth to the light. He wanted to come back. And he made another meeting with Rafael. And he says, I want to come to the yeshiva. I want to join. You have to understand what this is like. I don't know, Baruch Hashem, who the Bob Dylan is of today. But you can understand for a minute if there would be like some, I don't know if there is a Bob Dylan today. But if there is a Bob Dylan and he'd come to Lander and he'd like have an opportunity to talk to me and I have a chance to like hop him, that would be big. I would do anything that I could to get him. It's like great PR. So, he said to her, I have a plan. He says, I'm going to buy a house in Long Beach. That's where I grew up. Guess he heard that. I'm going to buy a house in Long Beach. Long Beach is right over the bridge from Farakaway. So I'm going to come every day to Yeshiva. I'm going to learn a few hours in Yeshiva and I'm going to go home at night. If I was a Bible, I'd hug him, I'd kiss him, I'd like, you know, Shalom Aleichem, Brucham Abayim. Or Bible said, no. That's not the way it's going to happen. I'll tell you the way it's going to happen. You're going to enroll in yeshiva, and you're going to be part and parcel of the yeshiva. You're going to eat here, that food, and you're going to sleep here in that dorm, and you're going to learn here. And that's how you're going to be a bentaira, and that's how you're going to develop into who you can be. But it's not going to be if you're half-baked, and you're in Long Beach, and you're here, and you're back, and you're forth, and you have your parties at night, and come to yeshiva. That's not the way it's going to happen. And he got away. He wasn't willing to make that commitment. But here's a person, obviously had Yiddish and Neshama. Obviously there was a principal Yid inside, but the, the stage, the world stage is too, it's too alluring. 
And it's impossible, you know, for us, I guess, to understand that level of Nisayan. And it's easy to stand there and pontificate about what he should have done. But if a person has that much talent and that much potential and that much ability, he feels sometimes that he has to go away from HaKadosh Baruch and from Kla Yisrael. But the Medrash says, no. You have an Eitzah. Look for ways to be Mahadar in the mitzvahs and in Torah and in learning and in life. Using the talents that HaKadosh Baruch Hu invested in you, that's the way that you will be in Mestabek with the Tzadikim. There's a Pasuk in Mishlei, in Parakimah Pasuk Tess, Kabed es Hashem Mehaincha. A person should honor Hashem Mehaincha from his wealth, from his fortune. And Rashi brings, Afilu Mikhail Arev. Even if you have a beautiful voice, Rashi brings in parentheses, Atukah Mehaincha El Migraincha. Don't read the Pasuk, Kabir Hashem Mehaincha, with your wealth, but Migraincha, from your throat, from your voice box. Use your talents. Use your talents, Rakadish Barucho. Kabir Hashem Mehaincha. There's a Yalkut there in Mishlei that says that Nabai Yisraeli was a figure in, in Nach who we know he owned like a vineyard of some sort and, and the evil king and queen Achav and Izebel Achav wanted that property and like sort of was like a barometric issue like he, he wanted to expand his property line and here was this guy Nabais who had this field and they came out with a, with a plot how to, how to get the field away and how to kill him in order to get it away from him so the measure says, how did that come about? And it says that Novis had a beautiful voice. He was gifted. And every year he would go be Ayla Regal and use his voice in the Beis HaMikdash. In Yerushalayim and he would use his voice and Klai Yisrael would like go crazy over his voice. He was like a superstar. Chazan. And one year he said, you know what? This year I'm not in the mood to be Ayla Rega. You know, I'm too good. It's like not for me. It's like, you know, I did it enough. They're not paying me enough. It's not worth it for me. I'm not going to, you know, let them, let them give me a little bit of a salary if they want me. I'm not going to, you know, run after them anymore. And there was a tain on him for having that attitude. HaKadosh Baruch gave you a voice and you're hoarding it to yourself. You're not sharing that voice with people. What do you think HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave me that voice for if not to use it for him and for his Avaidah? And because of that, he was able to be killed. He shouldn't have been killed naturally. All the evil people in the world should not be able to kill somebody that doesn't deserve it, but he deserved on his Madrega Misa. And he was susceptible to the plot of Izebel because he was selfish with his voice. Somebody told me, somebody that went through the war, a Yekishayid, told me that he has some sort of Messiah. Maybe he saw it in a Sefer, but in Frankfurt, during the time of the Chassam Sefer, the Chassam Sefer was born in Frankfurt. He eventually moved to Pressburg, but he was born in Frankfurt am Main. He was a German born boy, and in the city of Frankfurt, there was a chazan. And this chazan davened for the Ahmed in the shul in Frankfurt. And he never ever spoke outside of shul. Outside of davening, he didn't speak a word. If you can imagine such a thing. You know, sometimes a person makes a tiny sibur, or maybe after he says, I'm and you know the difficulty. And like, mm, 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 mm. He spent his whole life not uttering a word. He wouldn't say good Shabbos, and he wouldn't say good Yantan, he wouldn't say good morning, he wouldn't say good night, he wouldn't say thank you, he wouldn't say you're welcome. He didn't say a word with his mouth. And he said, after the Shvarakul gave me this voice, it's a God-given gift. 
And I feel that using it for anything other than davening to the Rebbeinu Shalom is nothing short of me'ila ba'akdish. Okay, that's an extreme. But it gives you a little bit of a hashtap on what a voice is. So many times people have really nice voices and Mugabe has to go, can you please daven Musa for the... No, no, no. <laughs> please, do me a favor. I have no one out. We really enjoy your davening. Can you please, pretty please, the sugar on... No. Not this Shabbos. Why not this Shabbos? Well, well I just davened last Shabbos. So what? If somebody's asking you to use your voice to daven, you daven. You mean you don't daven. If you know how to lane, if you can be a good Valkyrie, you lane. You get up there and you lane. No, 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 it's not for... Don't, don't start being an honor when you shouldn't be an honor. There's times to be an honor, and then there's a time that you should step to the plate and use your talents for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. V'chaisid bakinim na'araisai. I want to read for you a letter from Revolbi. Revolbi wrote a letter to his grandson. I'm not going to read you the whole letter. But this is basically what he said. He starts off a letter speaking about a memra from Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, the father of the Muslim movement, used to say, he was brilliant. And he used to say, I know that my head is equal to that of a thousand men. He had a, a mind like an IQ that was completely off the charts. A thousand men. That's Rabbi Yisrael Salanter's mind. This merely obligates me to do the work of a thousand men. He recognized that he had the head of a thousand. He said, oh, oh God, you know, Baruch Hashem, I could, you know, I could just basically rest on my laurels, and, you know, I'm a genius, and everybody knows it, and I'm, you know, Rabbi Salanter, they, they say a story that he once was giving um, a shear. He was supposed to give a shear in, uh, in a certain yeshiva or a certain shul, and the entry... And he put up the Marimachimus on the wall. And the anti-Musserniks, who couldn't stand this whole movement of Musser, they wanted to get this father of the Musser movement really, you know, where it counts. So what they did was, they took down that sign, and they put up a different sign with completely wrong Marimachimus. It completely, like, messed up everything. Here Salanter, you know, when the time came for him to give the shir, he walks into the base matter, she just notices out of the side of his eye that, you know, something looks a little bit different than the Marimachimus that he gave, and he like, you know, he sees there's a whole different sheet of Marimachimus, and guys were like making, you know, the whole morning Seder, they were spending, you know, working on these Marimachimus. So he looks at them, he goes straight up to the, to the Amud, and he, uh, and he, he thought, you know, there was a few, he, he waited like a few seconds, and then he gave a brilliant shear based on those random Marimachimus. He strung all those Marimachimus together like a beautiful pearl necklace and he gave the most exquisite shear ever. From random Marimachimus, Ramish Rambam and Elvis Megillah and, uh, you know, and Arashba and Baba Metziah and that. Funniest time, he put the whole tire together in one neat package. And a comment of his that was there was asked, did it take him that long, you know, those few seconds that, you know, before he started the shear, was he making the cheshvainas of how to make that shear up? They said, no, 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 that took like 0.006 seconds to make that shear up. That was nothing. He was waiting because he was trying to make a cheshvain in his brain, whether it's gaiva or not to do what he's about to do. Maybe people are going to find out, as we did, that the Marimachimus were wrong and that he's a brilliant person. And maybe, yes, no, yes, no, uh, yes. Going to give the shear. That was the cheshman. It wasn't a cheshman in, in, in figuring out the shear. That was a given. That was a layup. So Yisrael Salam says, I have a brain of a thousand men, but that doesn't mean that I could just do nothing all day. That's a responsibility. It obligates me like a thousand men. Now I'm a Bachiyuba for a thousand men because I have the brain of a thousand men. So Revolvi says on this line from Rishal Salanta, we learn from this, that one is obligated to recognize the strengths and talents that Hashem has given him. One certainly did not receive these for nothing, only in order to use them to serve as creator through Torah and through sanctifying his name in the world. 
to be full of pride over one's talents makes no sense. For we did not give ourselves these talents. The reason that Hashem did not give everyone the same talent is that not everyone has the same task. If one takes pride in his talent, it is a sign that he does not believe that Hashem gave them to him. Talents that we have are not for our entertainment purposes. The talents that the Shparuchu gave us are a message to us that we have a mission, a unique mission in the world, that we have to do with these God-given talents and we have to figure out how we're going to use them. It doesn't mean that if you're talented, you have to stay in yeshiva your whole life. And you have to figure out a way to use your talents only in the arena of HaKadosh Baruch Obviously, a person has to go out to work and if you are very good with math, so you have to be an actuary. And you should go and be a good actuary, be a from actuary. And that self is a Kiddush Hashem. And then you should use the money that you have from being an actuary to build yeshivas and build taira. And then at night when you come home, you should go to the base medish and learn and teach shiurim to, to people. And you should get people jobs in that actuary firm that need jobs. Even that are suffering, they're out of work and they need a job, get them a job. These are using our talents. That too is built bringing our kalim into the Mishkan Hashem. The Rambam writes, from a Gemara in Tainus we see, the Gemara says that Eliyah and Nabi appeared to a certain Amaira in the Shuk, and the Amaira took the opportunity to ask Eliyah and Nabi, is there anyone that's a Ben Elam Haba in the Shuk? And he looks around and now, oh, there are there two people, they're Ben Elam Haba. So this Amaira like rushed over to these people, they looked like regular, you know, regular people, nothing special on the surface. And asked them, what do you do? Why are you Ben Elam Haba? He said, well, we're not really anything special. He says, what do you do for a living? He says, well, we're comedians. When we see people that are sad, we make jokes and we make them happy. Zuck the Rambam. If Akadosh gives you the ability to make people happy, you have the obligation to use those to make people happy. And for that, you're Ben Olam Abba. That's bringing your talents into the Mishkan Hashem. You have an opportunity to make somebody happy. You have the ability to go to hospitals and juggle and sing and, and tell some jokes, to go to a nursing home, to go to an old age home, or to go to your own home. And maybe there are people there that are a little depressed and could use a pick-me-up or maybe in your room there's somebody and you, you give them a little chios. That's a Ben Olam Haba because you're taking the talent that HaKadosh Baruch gave you and you're using it for Hashem and for His Taira. You're bringing the Kalim into the Mishkan. You're a Bitzalo. You're living Bitzal Kel. You're taking a life that could be mundane and you're entering it under Tachas Tanfei Ashkina. When I used to live in Brooklyn, I used to dive in, in like a little shtibel. Very, very small. It's not much like small. When I say small, I don't mean just the amount of people that dive in there. It's, the building was small. It was like, you know, it was a room like, a, I don't know, maybe three quarters of the size of the Parnas' room. Like cramped. Like, you know, you really had to go on a diet if you wanted to dive in there. And, um, and I'll never forget, there was a year that came in every day and he worked in a butcher's store. And he woke up very early to start cutting the meat. And he always came in with this apron that was full of blood. I would have liked if he had changed it because, you know, I was getting a lot of shirts ruined by being too near him. I'm joking. But he came in, I was like, that's how he came in. He came in and he dove in shakras and minfam with this, with this bloodied apron and I'll never forget and maybe it was in my mind maybe I was hoping that he would do it 
But I noticed that whenever he said the parashas HaKarbonus in the morning, he had more carbonus than he did with the rest of the davening. And I understood from that that this was his talent that he was bringing to the Rabbani Shalom. There's one thing that I know in life, and that's how to cut a piece of meat. And so I can identify with the Avedis HaKarbonis that I'm giving you the Rabbani Shalom every morning. This is my matana to you. This is what I'm giving you. This is my plea that I'm bringing into the Mishkan Hashem. We all have our talents. We all have our hobbies and we all have our interests. We all have things that we are good at. It's our job to be able to figure out why Kaddish Baruch Hu gave it to us. And then send it right back to the Rabbeinu Shalom, nicely gift-wrapped. Ramesha Feinstein has a vart on the Pasuk in Parshas Kisisa. When we're first introduced to the Tzawa, which we started off the Shmuz with today, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Re'ek harasi b'shem b'tzawa ben Uri ben Chur l'mati Yehuda. Fretter Meshe Feinstein, Re'ek harasi b'shem, see that I invited by name b'tzawa. I don't know, I, I, I missed that invitation. I don't see anywhere else before this in the Torah that b'tzawa was mentioned. What does that mean? Re'ek harasi see, you know, everybody knows... Betzal has been called, you know, to do this Avedis HaMishkan. Re'ek harasi b'shem. He says, I don't know. I don't see that anywhere else in the Torah. It's like we're supposed to know about Betzal. I never heard of Betzal in my life. Zakir Meshav Feinstein. What the Pasuk means to say is, Re'ek harasi b'shem Betzalo. I gave Betzalo a kriya. I gave Betzalo a unique Calling in life. I called him. God called to B'Tzalel. Where was the calling? You know what the calling was? The calling that B'Tzalel had was the unique gift that HaKadosh Baruch invested in him. That was B'Tzalel's calling. B'Tzalel knew that he had a higher purpose in life because he found that he was able to be very talented and very full of wisdom and knowing how to make calculations that astound everybody. That's what B'Tzalel knew was his calling to do something more with his life than just play with Lego blocks and just be able to do some sketches on a, on a pad. I have to use my Kalim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's calling, I have to answer the call. What's my calling? HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't call us and tell us do this and that. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a little more subtle than that. He gives you gifts. He gives you unique talents that you have and you notice that a lot of other people in the world do not have. And that's your calling. And that's the way you understand what your mission is in life, what your unique mission is in life. And it's your job to be able to take that mission to take those talents and to direct those talents to building like B'Tzalel, a beautiful Mishkan with a Kalim. This is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu expects from us. It takes a little bit of introspection because sometimes we don't look at ourselves like talented people. We look at ourselves as regular. But if you ask your friends, your friends will be able to tell you what makes you special. What makes you unique? What do they think about you that's so good? Sometimes, you know, we're too, you know, we have issues with, like, you know, feeling good about ourselves. But other people see in you greatness. You have a beautiful voice. Oh, wow, you're so talented. You dress so nicely. You, uh, you know, you dive in nicely. You learn really well. You're a great Balmazbir. You write really beautifully, have a nice handwriting. We have so many things that make us unique. We have to figure out a way to use those kalim, to be able to take those talents and say, I want to be a magachir. I want to be a rabbi. I want to be a rob. I want to be a teacher. I want to be an artisan. I want to be a cipher. I want to be in a band. I want to make music. I want to be a composer. 
Everybody could do something, but make it Kaidish Hashem. Take your Kalim, bring them into the Mishkan Hashem. Figure out how you're going to take all of your talents and elevate the Shem Shemayim through it. Make the Shem Shemayim be a walking Kiddush Hashem and use all the God-given talents for HaKadosh Baruch who gave us those talents. And in Mitzvah Hashem we will be Zaycha to see tremendous Yeshua's and the Chamas have a good job.